Well, giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It is a matter of obedience. And a person who said that is one who is not even capable of doing a lot of things like what we can. That was given as a quote by Johnny Erickson Tara, you know her? She was a quadruplegic. You and I who have hands, you and I who have feet, still struggle with being thankful. But her, she found the secret. It is just having a heart of being obedient to God. One great preacher said, Charles Finney, a state of mind that sees God in everything is evidence of growth in grace and a thankful heart. But one thing that often relates back to being thankful or giving thanks is a word remember. Bob Jones Sr., the one who started Bob Jones University, said when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh hopeless. When gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart. In other words, when we forget to remember what God has done. When we forget to remember of who God is. Then obviously our heart of gratitude starts to fade. And our life will seem to be hopeless. But I thank the Lord that if you are a child of God, He still looks after you. Amen. No matter sometimes we falter, we fail, we praise God for His mercy, we praise God for His grace. You see, gratitude is really, giving thanks is really all about remembering. Remembering. And if we have a problem in the gratitude area, well, I think because we may have a problem of remembering. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Now that we remember what God has done in our life, do we remember what God has performed in our life. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about what God did in the past. And here we find a testimony of David himself. And uh, during the, dedica the dedication of the house, of his house. He recalls three things. Which this morning we're going to look at it in the practical view in the, in, the, uh, in the life of David. But at the same time we're going to look at it in a personal view. What is it for me? What is it for you? And like what I said earlier, I, when I looked at it in a personal view, 
God really spoke to my heart that I have forgotten a lot of things of what He has done. To some of us who do not know, during this time, God commanded, or during the life of David, uh, when he became the king of Israel, the king in Jerusalem, God told David to purchase a land to offer sacrifices for him. But prior to that, there was a, a circumstance that happened. David started numbering Israel, and that displeased the Lord. God was not happy, and God said, there are three things that you will suffer. You suffer through your enemies, you suffer through people, or you suffer through me. And David knew, I would rather suffer in accordance to God because God knows limits. God knows mercy. A lot of us don't understand this, but Humanity doesn't understand limits. When people start to think about revenge or think about doing something uh, wicked against another person, there is no limit. We do not know how to uh, exercise that unless it is only by the grace of God. And that's why we find here that David... Uh, sinned against God and he said, God, I would rather experience the chastisement, the discipline from you. And we found that over about 70,000 uh, Israelites have suffered tremendously. And David repented of his sin. And we found that uh, David have also ex experienced a lot of uh, what we call circumstance in his life during this time. Now comes all of those have been in the past. And David now comes and, and says to all his people during the dedication of his house, Hey, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. When we remember the holiness of God, we remember how or who God is. He is a holy God. As a matter of fact, the cherubims and seraphims called it holy, holy, holy. And if you understand a holy God, then you understand a, a, a frail humanity. You know that there's nothing good that we can do. 
That's why David had experienced this chastisement or discipline from the Lord. And he wanted to highlight these three things that we can see from verse number one. To be able to focus, to, to, to let everybody focus on why God deserves our thanksgiving despite, despite of all the things that have happened in the past. And again, having a, a thankful heart is really just remembering what God has done. What God has done. First of all, in a practical side, we find David remembering his victories. In verse number 1, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. We find the status or the sustaining power of God. And during the dedication of his house, David did not extol himself, but rather he extolled God. He lifted the Lord up. Oftentimes people find that this is an achievement of man. This is an achievement of David. But yet David wanted to focus on praising God. You'd find in 2 Samuel chapter number 5, verse number 11. And twelve, and Hiram, king of the Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. And look at Second Samuel chapter twelve, verse five, chapter five, verse twelve. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel. And that he had exalted his kingdom for his people, Israel's sake. We find in this uh, uh, chapter in Samuel, uh, what King David understood. When he became king and when, when, uh, uh, when the kingdom was given to him. And I believe that. What David understood and learned here, every godly leader should also understand. And as a pastor, I looked at this and I, I say to myself, God, I, I, I did not recognize all these three. According to verse number 12, David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and it is God who placed him there. He also knew that the kingdom did not belong to him, but the kingdom belonged to God. He was only placed there so that he could build it for his name's sake. And the third thing we find in that same verse, David knew that God wanted to use him as a channel of blessing to his people, the Israelites. 
It was not for David's sake that he was lifted up, but for the sake of the people. And David, you have this house, you have this kingdom. It isn't because of you. I placed you there for the people. You see, oftentimes we think that our victory, our status, is because we deserve it. Sad to say, that is the common problem nowadays with a lot of people. They think that they deserve it or because they are entitled. And that's why we forget to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Yep. Don't you know that our presence here today, if it wasn't only by the grace of God, yep. we won't be here. Hey. Yep. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I think we'd still be alive. wasn't for the grace of God, most of us probably would be in the hospital. Yeah. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would not have the strength to, to do the things that we're supposed to do. Yeah. You see, those are the victories that we have in our life, but yet oftentimes we forget that it was God who placed us there. Not only for his status, but we find also the victory that he received through the security that God gave. The Bible says that he has uh, and has not made my foes to rejoice over me. Now we understand that it, it, it doesn't mean that um, God did everything and David just sat there passively. We understand that David was a man of war. By the way, that was the very reason why God said that he will not build God's house, but his son Solomon will. Yet we understand that it was God's word in the life of David. That's why he was secured and he was safe and victorious over his enemies. When he confronted foes, God provided protection and victory over them. We also understand that during this time, uh, you know, uh, when, when God, when David was experiencing the chastisement or the discipline from the Lord. Can you imagine those 70,000 people who perished because of David's sin? What do you think their families would say to David? Because of you. So it wasn't only the foes, but even his own 
family or against him. He was afflicted both without and within. And no doubt they felt that God should judge David for his sin, his arrogancy, his pride. But God mercifully chose to heal his servant David. And provide joy in his life. You see, oftentimes we we are faced with oppression, persecution, because of what you believe, because of who you are. As a child. And I'm glad that. The victory that we have over. The enemies of the gospel. Is there. Because God is always. Looking after us. And I'm thankful that we can. Remember that. We're going to look at it in a very personal side later on, but we move on to the next part that David remembered, the healing. There was the victory that he had in his life as he was lifted up and became the king. And over his enemies, and now we find in verse number 2, O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. Throughout David's life, he lived a life that is prayerfully dependent on God. Yep. David cried out, and God heard. Now, I just want to add this. There, there are people who teach us that we don't have to pray. I don't know. But again and again, the Bible tells us, ask, and ye shall receive. Yep. Pray. Call. Yep. We know that God's phone number, Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee. Yep. Because they, they, they think that, you know, you, you we're, we're not supposed to be uh, uh, telling God what to do. Like, I just want to say, it was a commandment by God for us to call upon Him. Yeah. And if we don't, we are disobeying what He's saying. Yeah. That's why every Wednesday we're going through why men ought always to pray and not to faint in our church. Because people have this this thinking, well, you know, they're hearing this teaching. Well, we, we don't control God because He's so much sovereign. Yep. But I want to say that even in His sovereignty, He asked us to 
It is God's personal name. The name by which He makes and keeps His covenant with His people. Because David had a personal relationship with God, he boldly claimed the Lord's promises and turned to Him for help. But then we find that David professed that the Lord was his God, the supreme being in his life, indicating his worship of the Lord and submission to Him, the Elohim, the strong, the powerful one, and that only Him, only Him, could heal His enemies. It is this God that was used as a, a powerful uh, creator in creation. This word Elohim emphasizes God as the uh, having an incomparable might. Who can do anything. And nothing is impossible or too hard for him. He remembered healing. And the third thing. We find in verse number 4. Uh, verse number 3. O Lord thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. And thou, uh, thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Now can you imagine this? David in the dedication of his house. Then starts to recall all the things that God has done. He says, God has given, given me victory. God has given me healing. And God has preserved my life. By the way, he is calling the people. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let us give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Yes, despite of all the things that, that I have experienced. And by the way, those things that we have just studied. And it, all the things that He has experienced. God's hand was still there. And He was still in control. Yep. And even to this very point of preserving his life, the Bible says, O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive. And by the way, you sitting here today, having to go through those two years, many people live in fear. We kept encouraging everyone, let's live in faith. Am I going to die? And the good thing that happened in the past two years is that people have become more uh, understanding that life is just but a vapor, appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. He makes us aware of how fragile, how important life is, and how short it can be. There are many people that live their life, to, you know, uh, uh, wildly. But then during the pandemic, they were so afraid that they would die because of this virus. I said, well, you know what? All of us will die eventually, whether it is through the virus or not. The most important thing is, as sure as death is, you would understand 
where your life will be when you die. Yeah. Because the Bible only speaks of two places. Yep. Heaven. Yep. Or hell. Yep. And you need to make that decision before you die. You cannot procrastinate with that. You cannot ignore that. And David said, God, thank you. Thank you. I have experienced a, a uh, uh, near-death ex near experience, but yet you have kept me alive. I praise God, Pastor Padilla is still here. Amen. I praise God, all of you that I've seen before are still here. But as I mentioned earlier, there are people that we know, we love. We're close to that have gone to be with Now David is a soldier. He's a king. He 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 was a, he was a leader. And during his time and, and life in the battle. I believe there have been more than one time that he almost had been killed. Death had always been near him. But yet throughout the circumstance, he recognizes that God has rescued his soul from the death. He said, Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit, the grave. It is a realization of who we are. And, and David understood he isn't immortal. One day his body would die and he would pass from life to the next. But God delayed his eventual death and he is able to praise him and call people to praise with him here in the dedication of his house. In the splendor of his palace, he wants everybody to understand, don't you know, I should have been dead. I hope we should not forget that in our life, many times, God is the one that delivers us. We ought to learn to give thanks. Now what is that in the, in the personal side, Pastor? How, how can I understand, you know, in, in the life of David? You know, you and I have all the reason to thank the Lord, all the reason to remember what God has done. That through His holiness and even our frailty and our sin, 
God has always instilled. I'm glad that there is forgiveness. I'm glad that there Amen. is mercy. Amen. I'm glad that there is grace. Amen. But the problem is, many times many Christians don't understand what victory they have in Christ. Do you understand what the life of victory means? Many Christians today don't understand what the life of victory means. Well, David did. It wasn't because of his status. No, it, it was all about God. It wasn't about his security from his enemy. No, it's all about God. But some of us, we think that because of circumstance that happens in our life, we're not victors. We're not victors. I praise God that when Jesus Christ uh, died on that cross, came and died on that cross at Calvary, He made a way for each and every person that whosoever will believe in Him, that's right. Will be saved. Yep. He made a way that whosoever will will trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, their sins can be forgiven. That's right. He made a way that when he resurrected from the grave, the promise of eternal life is sure and secure for you. Yep. But instead, many believers today don't live that victorious life. Mm. We could not thank the Lord that I have victory. Instead of becoming an overcomer of, in this life, we are overwhelmed with the problems. Yeah. Instead of living as a victor, we kind of labels a victim. We think that maybe this is not God's plan for me. I want to remind you what the life of victory means. It's not having hardship. It's not life without hardship, but it is a life having hardship, but yet still experiencing contentment in Christ. It is not a life that does not have pain. We'll study that tonight. But it's a life that have pain, but yet still have peace. It is not a life that you don't have any burden. But it's having those burdens, yet still being able to surrender and lay down at Jesus' feet in prayer. Yep. It is not a lie that you do not have any battles, no persecutions, no disappointments. But it is a lie understanding that there is a God that is next to you and He will not leave you nor forsake you. Yep. 
My friend, a life, we, we have been given a life of victory and we need to remember the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. The victory that we have in Jesus Christ is a, is a victory that we have over sin. That sin no longer has a hold upon you. Not only that, you have a, a, a victory over the hold of the devil. I'm glad that when we got saved, when we trusted Christ as our Savior, when we repented of our sins, agreed with God, God, I'm a sinner, save me. I'm glad that we are immediately being transferred to become a child of God. Amen. We no longer are bound or uh, related to the devil. Yep. The Bible says, I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning in 1 John 2.14. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked. You are no longer a child of the devil, but you are a child of God. And you can resist him. You can resist sin. You can have strength over sin. And we can have victory over our flesh. And by the way, that's a daily battle. Many believers don't understand the victory that they have each moment, each day, especially when it gets to our flesh. What about healing? Has God healed you. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. Yes, I know that we have uh, a victory over uh, this life and we have found what we call healing. And just like David, we need to realize that all healing comes from the Lord. There is a name for God, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Now, whether healing is accomplished through the body's natural process or medicine's uh, way or God's supernatural touch, but at the end of the day, He alone deserves all the glory when we are restored to health. Many of us have gotten sick. Our church experienced COVID as a way when we had our missions conference during March. Only 20% of our people were able to attend physically face-to-face -face our missions conference. And I was almost about to give in. And praise God, we were able to endure through the the missions conference and the very day after Sunday, Monday, 
positive yet, but I was experiencing the symptom. And then Tuesday, that's when I went. God sustained us throughout the week to be able to go through. Our people were still able to, um, they were still able to watch it through live stream. Many people had it lightly, but most had not. We pray for healing. There are many vulnerable people in our church. And God got us through that. And then came what we call the influenza. I'm not sure whether New Zealand has got that yet, but that, that got me worse than my COVID. I got that early uh, mid-June. Just before, uh, early June, just before we had our Bible conference. And every time I, I, I tell our people, every time we have something planned for God, for the glory of God, expect the opposition to start building something. And our people got through that again, and we prayed for you. But it wasn't because of what they're taking, it, doesn't, it wasn't because that they were good, they had a good antibody. I believe it was because God is and worthy to be praised. We ought to be thankful for that. The scripture instructs us to pray. And call upon the Lord for healing. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any married? Let him sing psalm. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil. In the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if, we, if he have committed sins. They shall be forgiven him. There is healing in the Lord. Psalms 103 verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Speaking about our, the attribute of our God. Who healeth all thy diseases. But I'm not just talking about the physical healing. There are people that are hurt. Many people, especially during the pandemic, have it caused them to have what we call either mental illness or depression. By the way, isolation is no good. Yep. We are built, and that's why I don't understand why people don't come to church. We are built for fellowship. This is what a church ought to be. It isn't about talking and live stream and watching something. No. A church ought to be doing things together. Yep. Worshiping together. Yep. Singing together. Yep. Giving together. Yep. By the way, before you gave here, you gave of yourself first. You acknowledge God, God, you. You deserve all of me. We owe, we, we owe everything to God. Now does God care about those things? Whether it is mental, emotional? Yes. 
in the Bible we have we have been given a, a comforting verse. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Yep. You know what I like about that? Especially in the King James Bible, that word careth. It means a continual, continuous. That's right. He doesn't just care now. He cares for you tomorrow. And the next day. The next day. Yep. You might feel okay today. You might feel you're fine today. He still cares for you. Even if nobody cares. I hope that if we feel like Eeyore, some of you who know Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore, I love Eeyore. But the character of Eeyore is kind of sad. Nobody cares. Nobody loves me. I want to remind you in the Bible, God has shown His love to man. Yep. If nobody cares, somebody does. That's right. Yes. He's only a prayer. He's only through His Word. If you get into the Bible, you will find how much He cares. There's healing that He provides. And we must ask ourselves, God, Thank you for always being there. Thank you for your comforting words that heals my, my spirit that is broken. The scripture tells us that he is nigh to those who are of a broken and a contrite heart. There is healing. But the most important healing that we could find in the Lord is the healing of our soul and spirit. If you are here today and you understand that when if you die, you will not be sure or you are not sure that you will go to heaven. I want to assure you, in the Bible, God tells us that we can know. Yep. We can know. Yep. There is healing of the soul. And we can only find that in the very person of Jesus Christ. Amen. You cannot find that in a church. A church ain't going to save you. Yep. A pastor cannot save you. Amen. Our works ain't going to save you. That's right. Religion is not going to save you. Yep. Only Jesus Christ can yep. save you. Only Jesus Christ can yep. heal your soul. By the way, Jesus Christ is the only answer for a lot of problems that we have. Before God helped you, in your circumstance, God wants to help you first. In your spiritual condition. He has already made a way for you to be saved. And then the preserving of life, and I praise the Lord for that. That He has given us a life eternal in Jesus Christ. 
Every day we ought to be thanking God for our salvation. Why? Because in our, our salvation is only, not because of what I do, not because of what my parents did, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary and, and yep. the finished work of Christ. Yep. I thank God that through Him I can have a life eternal. Amen. Through Him I have found mercy. Through Him there is grace. And if you don't understand eternal life, I hope that you would be honest to yourself and trust Jesus to be your Savior. I'm glad that this morning most of us can say, praise God for our salvation. Praise God there is a place for me in heaven. By the way, the word everlasting and eternal life which is promised to those who are saved. You would find that repeatedly. Might be the most challenge in Christianity is the belief of eternal security. I'm glad that the, preser the preserving of life here on earth is dependent upon the Lord. But more than that, the promise of life for eternity is in the hands of God. Amen. Not in my hands. Not in your hands. <clears throat> so what does eternal mean? It means forever and ever and ever. I want to give you a few things about eternal life and if you do not know what eternal life means I hope that you will be honest to yourself at the end of the service and want to know how you can have eternal life with Jesus Christ and Christ alone Eternal life is a line, a, a, an unconditional covenant of God. When God preserves life, especially to those who place their faith and trust in Him, not only do they place, to, to, does He preserve His life, their life here on earth by provision and, and protection, but also for eternity. That's why when you, when you want to know about the preservation of life, you got to look at the promise of God of eternal life. And eternal life is an unconditional covenant of God. It means that it does not depend upon us, but upon His promises in the book. John 6.37 All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. In John 10.28 And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Not only is eternal life an unconditional covenant of God, but I praise the Lord 
that it is the uh, it, it, that it's it states the sufficiency of the sacrifice, the death of our Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, the sacrifice that He did on the cross is, is enough for you and me to be saved and be eternally secure. You see, a lot of people say, but maybe there's more. No. It is enough. In Hebrews 10.10, 10, by the which we, we, will we are sanctified through the offspring of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. In 1 John 2, verse number 1, My little children, these things write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. Praise the Lord with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. By the way, we don't have... You know, uh, a human advocate. We have, we have Jesus Christ as our advocate, Amen. and He's the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Another thing that we know in regards to God preserving our life, because our eternal life depends upon the ability of God to keep that which belongs to Him. Not in our ability. Eternal life is the responsibility of God, not man. <clears throat> By the way, if He wants to take our life here on earth, if you are saved, you're secure. There is rejoicing after that. But if you're not saved, the Bible only tells us of the wrath of God. And I call you this morning to trust Jesus to be your Savior. Amen. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of the very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5 Who are kept by the power of God. Again, who are kept by the power of God. Not the, not, not the abilities of men. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Lastly, we understand what eternal life is. It is the integrity or the product of the integrity of the Word of God. You see, the problem is a lot of people don't take this. As the word of God. And if I don't believe that God can, can keep us, sustain us, preserve us. Then I wouldn't be able to believe every single word of this. Yep. And that's why remembrance is very important in thanksgiving. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
First John 2.25 And this is the promise that He hath promised us even eternal life. God is worthy to be praised. As we remember His holiness. God is worthy to be praised as according, according to David because of the victory. We need to remember the victory that we have in this life. The victory that we have in this life. We need to remember the healing that He offers continually. We need to remember the preserving power of life. Sad to say, many people, many people think in closing and ask themselves, What has God done for me? They only look at the small circumstance. In their life. They focus mainly on the bad things, the trials, the troubles, the suffering. By the way, I want to remind you, everything that is here on earth is only but temporal. We ought to focus our things on the things that are eternal. Things that are eternal will be our salvation. Things that are eternal is our destination in heaven. And that's why every child of God ought to learn to always remember to be grateful. To be grateful in their life. Because we can look at the good things that comes along with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Gratitude is the memory of the heart. And when we recall to remember the holiness of God, that even through our discipline, our chastisement, even through the circumstances, even through the, the reaping of what we have sowed. Even through the hardship. We can still thank the Lord. Because He is always good. I'm glad that God did not give me what I deserve. Yep. I'm glad that when I called upon Him, He gave me mercy. He gave me grace. He gave me forgiveness. He gave me cleansing. He gave me healing. Giving thanks is another way 
They're just remembering God's goodness to us. And understanding God doesn't owe us anything, but we owe God Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful. We're thankful today, Lord, for what you've done. Where you have brought us. As we recall this morning of the past victories, the past healings, and the past protections that you have given to us. I pray, Father, that we would always remember your presence in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to help your people here in Mount Zion in having a heart full of gratitude. Don't give them amnesia of forgetting the things that you have done. Forgetting the things that you, of who you are. But may we always recall and have a heart of gratitude. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand and last Pastor Padilla. It's a in action of what we have learned today and what God has impressed in our hearts. A very clear presentation of God's goodness and also of God's eternal life that He has given to each one. You are here this morning, and the uh, message is very clear. If you do not know where you go when you die, the Bible has the answer to that. And the answer to that is in the person. And that person is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are here this morning and you, are, you do not know where you go, my friend, I beg you, you this may be our first and perhaps this is our last. But if God is speaking to you this morning and you want to know how to be saved, you may say, Pastor, I do not know. I know that there is God in heaven. I believe in God, but I do not know how can I be saved. My friend, if you are like that, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And the Lord will save you. Let's continue to pray, bow our heads and close our eyes. Our Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the message this morning. Thank you for the working of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here that, Lord, has that desire in his heart as he listens to the word of God, that there is Jesus, there is um, your word that proclaims salvation, proclaims eternal life. But, Lord, I know many of us, perhaps here this morning, do not know how to get to heaven. Perhaps many of us do not know how to get saved. Lord, I pray that as you impress upon the heart of that person, 
that Lord, he will come and he will um, accept you as Lord and Savior. My friend, if you are here this morning, I will just um, take this very quickly because you are here, this is not an accident for you to be here. God is orchestrating in your life. Perhaps you've been living your life without God in, and you've been, you've been living your life uh, apart from the will of God and God is calling you and you are here this morning and God has a plan for you. Perhaps this may be your last chance of hearing the gospel. We do not know. But if this is God, what God has orchestrated for you and you alone, why did you respond to God's call? And you may say, Pastor, how? I want to know Christ. I want to receive Him. If you are like that, why don't you raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Do not be shy. No one is looking around. Just raise your hand, put your hands up so that I will know that you want to know Christ. You want to receive Him. It's just you do not know how. But we are here, my friend. I am here. We are here to help you how to know how to get to heaven because it is very clear and it's very simple in the Bible. Just all you need to do is humble yourself and say, Pastor, I want to know God, but I do not know how. Here's my hand. Please pray for me. Anyone like that? Anyone like that? Pastor, here's my hand. I want to receive Jesus, but I do not know how. Please pray for me. If you're like that, just shoot up your hand and I will pray for you. No one is looking around. This is a chance that God is preparing for you. Would you harden your heart or would you submit to Him? Submit to the working of the Holy Spirit. Because it is God's will that you will go to heaven. It is His will. The reason why Jesus Christ did not, you know, did, did not um, 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 spare any pain at the cross is because of you. The Lord Jesus Christ was not shy to die for you. Are you shy this morning? Are you scared? The, the Lord Jesus Christ was not scared to face death because of you. Now, my friend, God is calling you. Are you willing to accept Him? If your hands, if you, if you know that you do not know how to get to heaven, I ask you this time. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And say, Pastor, here's my hand. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. Is there anyone there? Anyone there? You are a visitor. You do you have not heard the gospel. And this is maybe the first time that you've heard it. And you are you decide. I, I want to have Jesus in my life. I want to have God. I don't want to go to heaven and I die. I want to go to heaven. If you are like that, please raise your hand and I will pray for you. Anyone? Anyone? Pastor, here's my hand. Please pray for me. Just quietly put your hands up and then I will pray for you. Anyone? Anyone there? Let's continue to pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the blessing of your word. Thank you for and the clarity and the simplicity of the gospel. That, Lord, we are all sinners. And that, Lord, we are going to pay the penalty of our sins in the lake of fire. But thank God, 2,000 years ago, the God of heaven, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came down to earth and paid the penalty of mankind 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Lord, you have done that 2,000 years ago, and that invitation of eternal life is even present under this time. It is available for all who would come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, please, touch the heart of your people. And I pray that there is no one in this room today will miss it. I pray, Lord, that all of us that, that are here in this room this morning will receive that eternal gift of salvation. Lord, bless these people. And Lord, do not allow them to leave this building without you knowing, uh, without him knowing you as Lord and personal Savior. Please, Lord, speak to the heart of that person. Bless these people, O oh God, and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the old blessings that you have done. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, uh, most importantly, thank you for the gift of salvation. Bless these people once again. Bless the fellowship that we'll have. Bless the food that, as we partake of it. And Lord, thank you for all the people that sacrifice. Thank you for all the people that are ready to come and offer their whatever they can offer unto you. And bless all of us today. Thank you for the victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, please um, visit it for a while. Just visit it for a while. Uh, I have, um, you know, I have a special gift for um, brother. I want, I want to call first lady, Libby. 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 Okay. Libby, come. I have a gift for you. Someone prepared this for you. This is a special Bible, and Libby's birthday uh, just passed. And Libby is, uh, you know, by the grace of God, is uh, one of our preacher boys. And we have a lot of preacher boys in the church now. Uh, and so, what's our youth leader?